Well, good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. And most of you are smiling. That's good. That's good. Nobody was injured. So we're all good with that. Hey, we're glad again that you're here this morning. And uh, before we dive into the message this morning, just a reminder that we've got many ministries running all the time around here. And uh, two of them are our men's ministry and our women's ministry. They've always got Bible studies and fellowships and activities going on. And please make sure that, uh, especially if you're new to our church, uh, that you get around to meet uh, Woody Rast and Marsha Price. Now, they're the head of our men's and women's ministry, but they obviously don't do this alone. They do this with a team of people. Uh, so they don't work alone, but they would be two people that I would encourage, especially you new folks, to get to, to introduce yourself to, get to know. Uh, and if you have any questions about the men's and women's ministries, to go back at the info table on your way out today. And usually there's some of those folks hovering around there waiting for people to maybe uh, help you out in any way or direct you. And speaking of that, uh, coming up, not this coming week, but the following week on Thursday, December the 5th, our gals are having their Christmas uh, fellowship and a wonderful night. And uh, gals, I just encourage you to go back and uh, sign up for that and be a part of that. Um, that's always a real highlight of, of the year for our women's ministry. Psalm 111 this morning. As Mike said, uh, 14 weeks ago, we started a series on the heart of worship. And this morning's message, I've actually entitled The Heartbeat of True Worship as we wrap this series up. And it is hard to believe that 14 weeks have went by, but I will say this, from my perspective as the pastor of this church in 10 years, there has never been a series that I have done that has been more transformative in our church than this one. One that I literally have seen over the 14 weeks, God changed the hearts of our people and the culture of our church through this series. I have seen many of you become more engaged in worship. I've seen many of you start to, to sing and, and to praise and to just feel the permission and the freedom to be able to just worship the Lord and celebrate him and thank him. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. But I want you to also know as the pastor of this church that this is not the ending of anything. This is the beginning of something new. That we're just going to build on the foundation that God has created these last 14 weeks and we're going to carry it through, not only the rest of this year, but in the next year as well. I mean, as Mike said, we, if we can't worship God diving into the Christmas store and learning about what God has done for us in coming to this earth as a man, as a little baby, it's incredible. And so we start that next week for five weeks. It's going to be five Sundays and then Christmas Eve, and we're going to just dive into the Christmas story. We hope that you will be with us as much as you possibly can be during this season. 
and know that when you come in next week, the church will be decorated. It will feel like Christmas in here. But no matter how beautiful the building is, if we don't center what we do each and every week around the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean a thing. And so we're going to make sure that Jesus Christ is exalted and lifted up in this place through our worship and through our time in the Word beginning next week. But today we want to talk about the heartbeat of true worship. The last psalm that we're going to look at is Psalm 111. It's one of my favorites. And in this psalm, we're going to see five things, an exhortation to praise, an example of praise, enthusiasm for praise, evidence for praise, and finally, the explanation of praise. Let's look at verse 1, the first three words, praise the Lord, the psalmist writes. In fact, we've already sung these words a couple times this morning. It is the word, hallelujah. That's what that word means. A lot of times as Christians, we use words or we sing words and we don't really know what they mean. Well, hallelujah just simply means praise the Lord. That's what the word means. And so the psalmist starts out with this exhortation to the people of God saying, guys and gals, let's praise the Lord. Let's lift up a hallelujah. The word praise, literally, I love this. It means to shine. Think about that. God wants his people to shine for him. And I think that also not only plays into the fact that we have to receive his light in order to be light and to shine, but it also reminds us that when we live a life of worship and praise to God, it can be seen by others even in the countenance of our faces and, and the way we carry ourselves. In other words, what is happening internally between us and God can always be seen externally by others. That's why Jesus said, now let your light shine before others so that they might see, you see. God doesn't want us to just shine and keep that shine to ourselves. He wants to take us and spread us and scatter us all over the place so that we can shine for him no matter where we're at. And you and I have that opportunity every day with everybody that we come in contact with, whether it's at the grocery store or the bank or uh, some store that we're going into to shop for the season or whatever. We always have an opportunity every day to shine for Jesus Christ. This word also speaks about celebrating God with clarity. Not being a dim light, but a clear, shining, bright light of splendor. Well, the only way you and I can celebrate God with clarity is to continue to grow in knowing him in a personal, experiential way. The more you and I know God, the more then we can celebrate him with clarity so that as people look at our lives, there's a, there's a clarity to our witness and to our being able to shine for God. And that comes again from us spending personal time with God ourselves, gaining that knowledge over and over again, which again goes back, and you're going to hear this a couple times through this last message again, of how cyclical, if you will, worship in the Word should become in our lives, how they should complement each other, never compete with each other. 
That the more we know of God through his word, the more it should drive us to our knees and, and to lift our hands and our voices to praise him and to worship him. And the more we worship him, then the more we want to know him even more so that we can worship him more as the more we know him. That's what praise the Lord means. And throughout this series, again, without getting too scholastic on you, we have learned that the word worship is a transitive verb, meaning that it always requires or demands an object. You can't just worship nothing. You have to worship something, right? And so that's why the psalmist starts out by saying, praise the Lord. Because as human beings, as we've talked about again through this series, we're going to worship something or someone. You trace back what we spend our time on, our money on, our effort, our energy, all of that. It's going to lead back to what we value the most, what is worth the most to us in our life. You can always trace it back because that's how God created us. He created us to worship. He created us to be worshipers. And every human being, I believe, worships someone or something in their life. The psalmist is just reminding us, shouldn't we, as the followers of Jesus Christ, make sure that we praise the Lord and worship him above everything else and everyone else in our life? Absolutely. Amen. So that's why he starts out Psalm 111 by saying, let's praise the Lord. But then notice, also in verse 1, the example of praise. After the psalmist, in a sense, is saying to the people of God, hey, guys and gals, let's praise the Lord together. Then the psalmist says, I will give thanks to the Lord. That's important. For this reason, we even learned this on Wednesday night in our study of the book of Philippians. Every one of us is an example. It's not, well, some people are examples and some people aren't examples. No, no. Every one of us is an example. The only question is, are we a good example or a bad example? Are we one worth following or not worth following, if you will? But all of us are being an example to someone else at any given time. People are watching, people are observing. And can I especially say to us, especially with other young people in the audience, this is why it's so important that we who have a little bit of tread on us and some of us, like myself, a little bit more than others. But that's why it's important that we realize I want to be an example, especially to that next generation and to our youth and, and to our children, and in my case, to my children and my grandchildren, of what it means to be a devoted, enthusiastic worshiper of Jesus Christ. I don't want them to just hear it from me. I want them to see it in the way I live my life. And that was the psalmist. I, I don't want you all to, I want to do it too. I want to be an example. I want to be an influencer for God in the way that I worship him. And as I encouraged us all about 14 weeks ago, remember I said that, that not everybody is called nor, nor is, is wanting to be up here on the platform to be part of, of the worship team, but all of us can lead worship exactly where we're at in our seats every Sunday and Wednesday. And some of you, you've grabbed a hold of that. 
And you were like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a worship leader in row five and section whatever. And because we don't have these, you know, like actually, you know, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. Like pastors actually got these all seats. All no, 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 I'm making that part up. But I love the fact that you're like, yeah, I'm going to lead worship right where I'm at. I'm going to let the folks around me know how much I love the Lord and, and how grateful I am to him and how much I want to exalt him and celebrate him and all of that. And that's the psalmist. I will give thanks to the Lord. I'm not just going to ask you to do something that, that I'm not willing to do, the psalmist says. Let me also say something else before I move on to the enthusiasm for praise. We've talked throughout this series also about the fact that worship is really twofold in the sense that God calls us to worship corporately as a community and body of believers, and that's something that we are responsible to do, to come together and lift up the name of the Lord. That, that brings a smile to his face. But obviously, we are to worship God individually and personally throughout the week. We, not only when we're together, but so that when we do come together, we're just sort of bringing the overflow of our individual worship lives into the body of Christ. And man, when we put all of that together, then we can really get down to some serious worship. But there are many reasons why God calls us to come together as a community of believers and worship him. But I want to remind you of one that ties in to this whole example of praise this morning, and that is this. As we worship God individually, you and I, especially in the kind of worship we're talking about here in singing songs and praising him and worshiping him through songs of praise, which is what the book of Psalms is about, you and I get to choose the songs we want to sing and, and how we want to do it and how we want to sing it and all of that, and that's fine. That's important. We all need to do that. But God also wants us to learn to follow others. And so that's why God, many years ago, called Nicole Ainsworth to come and be our worship leader here at the Oasis so that you and I would learn to follow another and allow her and trust her to be led by the Lord in the songs that she chooses for us, which she takes very seriously, so that we don't always get to be in control, but we learn to follow the leadership of another who's being led by God. Amen. Some of you still need to learn that. <laughs> Just the same as you need to trust that God is leading me, your pastor, and that the the passages that I am choosing to preach on on Sundays and Wednesdays and the things that I am, I am teaching you is coming from the leadership of God in my life. Folks, that's true of all of us. We all need to learn because there are no real leaders in the church. We are all simply humble followers of the one true head, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. And unless you and I learn to follow, we will never be a leader. Because even Jesus, when he did come, he gave us the example of, I'm going to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in my life and the will of my Father while I'm here on this earth, in this earthly body. I'm going to show my followers what it's like to be a follower. 
And so we are called by God to come together because God wants us to learn in this aspect of our spiritual life, just like every aspect of our spiritual life, that we can't always be the leader. We can't always be in control. We can't always call the shots. But God has placed someone here in our midst to lead us in worship, and we are to learn to follow her as she follows Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And by the way, I thank God for our example that God has given us in worship. Well, let's talk for a few moments about enthusiasm for praise. Notice also in verse 1, the psalmist writes, Praise the Lord, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. It is a heart-engaged worship of God. Even as Nicole was praying, I was thinking, yeah, that, you, you could just keep on going because that's what the message is all about. It's about God wants our heart. It's not about the songs we sing that so many times, even as Christians, we argue about what songs we sing and this and that and, and, and even our singing. It's like we can come and we can get so routine and, and, and so like it, it just we're going through the motions, as the song said. We, we just come on Sunday. We know these songs. We sing them. And but are we really singing them and are we really praising God and celebrating him and worshiping him from the heart? Because ultimately, as we've said throughout this series, when God has our heart, everything else will fall into its rightful place. Amen. God isn't looking for certain songs. God isn't looking for certain activity, uh, certain expressions. God is looking, first of all, for a heart that is totally his. If that's the case, then everything else will follow in its rightful place. And that's why the psalmist says, I'm going to give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. And here's why that's important. Because Jesus himself said these words, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be there also. Where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be. And that's why it's important that in worship we learn to give God our heart because that means he's our treasure. That means he's of greatest value and worth to us, and therefore he's got our heart. And man, when he's got your heart, you and I, people won't be able to stop us from worshiping. They won't be able to shut us up and keep us quiet and all of that because we, we just can't contain it. It's just going to flow out of us. I mean, think about this on an earthly level for a second. You, I know, you and I know what I'm talking about here, right? If you really love someone or something, do you keep quiet about it? No. I mean, look at our world today, even those that don't know God. When they're, when they're in love with someone or something, man, it's like, yeah, yeah, I know you are. I, I know you are. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty obvious. They mean a lot to you or that means a lot to you. It's, it's written all over you. You can't stop talking about it. All, yeah, that's the way it is. And when you and I fall in love with God to that level, they won't be able to stop us from worshiping him. And it won't be like, oh, I got to go to church again and worship the Lord. It'll be like, I'm getting there first thing. I'm going to be right there 10 o'clock as soon as they're ready to worship. Man, I'm there. I'm engaged because, man, I've been worshiping God all week and I can't wait to get with my brothers and sisters in Christ and now worship him together. Amen. Which is what the psalmist says, does he not? 
Notice what he continues to say in verse 1. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the godly and the congregation. You see, the psalmist longs to be in the fellowship of fellow believers for worship because that's what God wants. We need to be together to worship, folks. If for no other reason, because out there in the world, you and I get beat up and beat down and, and scarred and, 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 you know, all that stuff, we need to come together and be around others who, who believe in the Lord like we do and who love the Lord like we do so that we don't feel like we're out there all alone. Some of you, the only time you're with other Christians is not in your homes and, and not in your places of work or in your schools that you go to and, and not in your neighborhood. Sometimes the only time you get around this many Christians is a church. You need that encouragement. We all do. As I've said again many times, I have never met a human being yet who came up to me and said, Pastor Jeff, you know, you can stop encouraging me. I don't need any more encouragement for the rest of my life because I have all the encouragement. We all need encouragement. Every day we need encouragement. And how encouraging is it for you and I as brothers and sisters in Christ to be able to come to a place and just be able to breathe and take a deep breath. And that's part of why God led me to name this church the Oasis. I wanted, I wanted a church where I could come and feel like I could just take a deep breath and, and soak in God and breathe in God and, and, and breathe in the, the love of my fellow believers that I'm going to spend eternity with and to have a place of refuge in this world. That's the heart of the psalmist. He's like, yeah, it's important that I worship God alone and in private and in my own individual life. But he said, I long for the time where I can come and I can give thanks with my whole heart in the assembly of the godly in the congregation. That's his enthusiasm. Because going back to the second point, how can I be an example if I'm never around anybody else? You see, in order to be an example and an influence on others, I need to be around them. They need to see my enthusiasm for, for praising the Lord and for worshiping him. Well, then we finally get to verse 2, and you're going, you've spent all this time on verse 1. We're in trouble. <laughs> now, I promise you not. The, the first three points were out of verse 1. There's only two more points, and they're in the rest of the psalm. So you're good. You're good. But I want you to see, beginning in verse 2, Evidence for praise. And remember, as we talked about last week, the Psalms never encourage or exhort us to worship the Lord or praise him without giving us reasons why. And so here again, notice what the psalmist does. Two primary things in verses 10 through 9. He says, here's some evidence to praise and worship the Lord. His works and his word. Notice, first of all, he starts out with his works in verse 2. The Lord's deeds are great, eagerly awaited by all who desire them. His work is majestic and glorious or magnificent, and his faithfulness endures forever. Notice verse 4. He does amazing things that will be remembered throughout eternity, and that's exactly what the word remembered means that these works of God will be an eternal memorial to him. Think about that. 
The word amazing can mean extraordinary. That which surpasses what all others could do. That's our God. Our God does things that no one else can do. Even if you combined all the might and power and wisdom and insight and all of that of every human being who's ever lived, you and I as human beings all together couldn't even get close to what God himself can do. Amen. With his fingernail, even. God doesn't even have to try hard, and he can do amazing things. And I hope you still believe in a God of miracles. Because just this past week, I, your pastor, was reminded again, I still do miracles. I have a, an acquaintance that literally was on his deathbed several weeks ago. And he asked me to come down and visit him. And... I just got word just yesterday, and, and the last time that I saw him, I'm, I'm, so much is running through my head, I couldn't believe it. His wife called and said, you're just not going to believe the turnaround. I went down, and I was shocked. I, I have never seen such change in someone that was literally near death, body filled with cancer, and he's sitting up, and he's talking to me, and, and, and I'm, I'm just like, I can only imagine what it was like to be there when Jesus did miracles like that. And you actually saw people raised from the dead and, and healings and all of that. And I'm sitting there and I'm just, in, I'm just thanking you, God, that I even can witness this. And, and I think to myself, how many even Christians struggle to really believe that God is real and that he exists and that his power is evident in our lives and that he can still do miracles? I hope you believe that today. Because I'm here to tell you, I've seen it. I've seen it in my own life. The works of God are truly amazing. Notice he says in verse 7, his acts are characterized by faithfulness and justice. But I want to go back up to verse 2. This phrase, eagerly awaited, is a very interesting phrase. It literally means to pay careful attention to what God is doing so we don't miss it. See what the psalmist is saying? In fact, another translation uses the word studied. I think the New American Standard uses the word studied. It's calling us, even as believers in God, to study the works and the activity of God so that we don't miss what he's doing. So often, part of why we don't have fuel for worship is getting, we live at such a high-paced life all the time and we're just rushing from one thing to another that we don't take time to pause and really study the work and the activity of God. And yet God is always at work. He's always doing unbelievable things. It's just we're not cognizant of it because we're not taking the time to really pay careful attention to what God is doing. And the psalmist is saying we got to stop long enough to make sure that we don't let the amazing activity of God go by and we don't stop to acknowledge it. And can I say that's why it's especially true in this season where <laughs> we can get so busy with all the activity of the holidays that we let another holiday season go by 
and where we have really failed to take time and just pause and take a deep breath and experience and engage and enjoy our God. Let's not do that again this year. His work. In a sense, what the psalmist is saying is, Examining the evidence of God's works in our life every day keeps the heart of worship alive. The more you and I realize what God is doing because we're in tune with it and that instead of letting it pass us by, we're, we're like looking for it and we're trying to stop. I mean, the psalmist even and, and the Bible even teaches us about that as far as creation goes. Psalm 19 the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky shows forth his handiwork. God is simply saying, I put part of who I am and my creativity and my beauty out there every day in the sunrise and the sunset and the stars and the moon and all the planets and the galaxies and all of that. Do you not take time to look up and to see the glory of your God? Amen. He says, take time. And let me say this. I realize because of where my wife and I live, we do get a, a pretty good shot of that. But almost every night when I get home out there in Gold Canyon is where we live, the base of Superstition Mountain, it's so dark out there, there's no lights. But the thing I love about it, I get out of my car at night and I look up and there's so many nights where there's so many stars, you can't even begin to take it all in. And I think to myself, wow, God. You've done this and even more than I could ever take in. You're so awesome, God. Your acts are amazing. They're extraordinary. They're more than what anyone could do. And so he says, evidence for praise, the work of God. But notice he also says, evidence for praise, the end of verse 17, the word of God. He says, let's not forget, his precepts are reliable. They are forever firm. In other words, he's saying, Part of why we should praise the Lord is we have a foundation and a surety and a stability and a security that no one else has when we build our lives upon the word of God. As Jesus said, the storms will come and they will. Even the best God followers are always going to have storms come into our life. But he says, when you build your life upon my word, when the storms come and your house shakes, it will not fall because of that foundation. And that's exactly what the psalmist is saying here. His word is a sure and stable foundation that will support us fully. We can put all of our weight of all of our life and everything that we love and care about on him and it will hold up. That's how strong and stable and trustworthy and reliable and dependable his word is. can always praise God for his word. And then I love this. At the end of verse 9, he says, oh, and by the way, his name, which literally means everything that he has revealed about who he is, whether it's in creation, in his works, or in his word, is holy and awesome. And don't ever forget that in that word awesome is the word what? All. And it's the idea that all of his name should inspire awe and wonder in his people. So that's the evidence for praise. But then I want to get to the very last verse of Psalm 111, the explanation of praise, and it's just as important. Two things the psalmist says. He says, it's great that we worship the Lord and that we sing his praises and we celebrate him and all of that and we acknowledge who he is and what he's done. If all of that doesn't lead to a life of obedience, then that's not worship. 
Because again, it comes full circle to the fact that God wants our worship to, to develop in us not only a heart of worship, but a heart that is willing to follow him and to follow others as they follow him, which is why he says, to obey the Lord is the fundamental principle for wise living. All who not know his word, but carry it out, his precepts acquire good moral insight. Notice something also very important. So many Christians go, I, I want more perception. I want more discernment in my life. I want more insight in my life. Then my answer from the Bible is, just start obeying the Lord. Amen. Because it's in our obedience that God grants insight, discernment, and perception on a supernatural level. In a sense, what the psalmist is saying here in verse 10 is the same thing James says to us. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Which goes back even to the idea of, of our enthusiasm for praise being with our whole heart. How many times did Jesus say words similar to this? They honor me with their lips, but their what? Their heart is far from me. And you and I can come into the house of God and we can act like we love him and we can, you know, sing all the songs, whatever. It doesn't mean a thing what, we, what comes out of here if our heart is not in line with God. Amen. Paul said they profess that they know God, but in their life they deny him. God wants our heart. And a heart of worship will lead to a life of obedience, a life of being willing to follow him. Listen. If we really believe in our worship that God is as great and good as we're, the God we're worshiping, then why wouldn't we follow him? See, that, that's why it's even logical here. It's like if God is so awesome, if God is so great, and if God is so good and would not withhold anything that is for my best from me, then why would I ever not want to follow this God? You see, it's only when we get out of sync with worship of God that our obedience begins to wane. Because the more you and I understand the God that we are worshiping, the more our heart will be willing to follow him in all things. Amen. And then there's another explanation for praise. Notice at the very end, he says, oh, by the way, God will receive praise, literally in the Hebrew, songs of praise forever. Now, don't miss that. Because some of you, you know, maybe through this series, is why are you guys so passionate about teaching us about worshiping the Lord and singing songs of praise and praising him? I'll tell you why. Because if you're a Christian and you're planning on going to heaven for all of eternity, guess what the Bible says? It's what we're going to be doing for all of eternity. And it's not the only thing, but it's going to be a major part of our eternal existence. So let me just say this in love to some of you here today. And for those of you that should be hearing this and you're not, I hope you'll listen to the podcast. You may be going to heaven, but I just got to tell you, because you don't yet have a heart for worship, heaven's going to be a little bit of a shock to you when you get there. 
Because if you don't like to sing songs of praise down here and you don't like to worship the Lord down here and, and you don't like to be involved in, in being part of a community of believers that's, that's exalting the Lord and celebrating him and, and lifting up holy hands and, and, and giving the Lord praise, then I got news for you. Heaven's going to be a shock to you because the Bible says here's part of why God wants to build that into our lives now because God will receive songs of praise forever and ever. And just as we've already sung about, heaven's already doing it now anyway. We've learned in the Bible the angels have been praising the Lord and worshiping him ever since he created them. And they're going to continue to do it throughout eternity. And then as the saints of God die and go to be with Jesus, many of us, we know people right now that's up there in heaven, and guess what they're doing? They're worshiping the Lord right now. And so heaven just wants us to join in on what's already going on up there. And heaven wants to prepare us and our hearts for what you and I are going to be doing for all of eternity. Part of what we're going to be doing up there for all of eternity is to give God praise, to worship him, to sing songs of praise to him. And so God gives us the precious opportunity to be able to start doing that down here as the people of God instead of waiting till we get there. I hope you will open up your heart to the Lord and let him begin or continue to create in you a heart for worship. Could we stand? Lord, I pray today that you would continue to work in this church, that you would help us to be a, a group of believers who love you, Lord, and who want to express it, especially through songs of praise, that, God, we want to exalt you. We want to celebrate you. We want to magnify you. We want to shine for you, God. We want to let others know how great and good you are. And God, especially at this time of year where we set aside times to be thankful and times to celebrate your coming into this world, God, that should be true of us as Christians every day that we live. All of us have so much to be thankful for, God. None of us would be here if it wasn't for you. None of us would have the hope of heaven if it wasn't for you. None of us would have our sins wiped away if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus Christ. None of us could have fellowship with you and intimacy with you unless Jesus made a way. None of us could have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. None of us could have the word of God and the ability to understand it apart from you, God. None of us could be part of your church. Oh, God, may we truly celebrate you now. May we sing out to you like never before. May this Sunday, Lord, just express to you the culmination of what you've been doing in our church and doing in our hearts these last 14 weeks. But God, as we, as we desire and we say these things, Lord, may it not be an end. May it just be the spark and the ignition for what you want to take us into. Because God, I believe you have so much more for us. So much more of you you want us to experience, God. And I pray that we just keep going after you as hard as we can, God.
Not get distracted by the crumbs of the world, but every day, God, be willing to come and sit at the king's table and feast from you, God. Would you come and settle down here for these next few moments, God, as we lift up our praise to you, as we give you our hallelujah, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.